0: of God. And that's because of that grace that I do stand here before you today. And I am thankful that Jesus Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. And he intercedes daily for you and me as believers. Satan accuses night and day, but Christ intercedes night and day. And his grace is That and uh, Friday night, we had a great time at our house by the way with the team and the college group. It was just a really good time. After everything kind of settled and everybody had gone home and we kind of cleaned up, uh, myself and Kara were the last two to sort of sit around the fire. And uh, just me and her, it might have been, I don't know, midnight thereafter. And uh, that song. So we introduce it to one of my daughters. I'm thankful for your prayers. I pray for you. Um, Guys, we do. We need these prayers. Prayers for one another. This is exactly what Paul's going to be talking about today in our text. So if you have your Bibles, let's go to Philippians. We're in a new book study. And... We're going to get a little insight into Paul's prayer life. You ever notice how Paul in his letters oftentimes will introduce prayers? Sometimes he's introducing a prayer by way of, hey, here's, here's uh, uh, what I'm praying for you about. Sometimes you'll read in Paul's letters, he'll be requesting prayer. Remember us in prayer. But you will often see, tucked in his letters, sections of scripture where he gives us model prayers, uh, things to encourage us in our prayer life, and we get a glimpse of this here. You see it, especially in Ephesians, when you go through Ephesians, there's a lot of those prayers tucked in throughout Ephesians, but we've got a glimpse of one here today in Philippians 1. So we've been talking about, as we opened up this new book study, all in, all the time. And uh, this sort of has been sort of a theme as of recent uh, here in our church life. I just sense this desire that God is moving to unite us in, a, in an effort as we move forward uh, for the sake of the ministry, for the sake of the gospel here at Community Baptist Church. And so in our youth group, our studies have been centered around basic training and We've looked at military terms and we've talked and explored about the brotherhood of the military and and some of those things and how when we look in scripture, we see the same type of understanding that God intends for the family of God, that we're a brotherhood, brothers and sisters in Christ, and how as a family of God, we're all in this together. And a lot of times we need to be reminded that it's not compartmentalized Christianity. That's, That's what's gotten this country to where it is. What's gotten this country to where it is is because Christians did not stand together and exercise their faith in practice. And somewhere along the way, we stopped evangelizing. We stopped being the salt we stopped being the light in this great country. We stopped reaching out to the lost and trying to win them to Christ. We failed in discipling. Yeah, we might have reached them. They might have gotten saved, but what we did was we produced a bunch of Corinthians. We let a bunch of babies stay babies in the church, and they never matured. And so the church fell asleep. Instead of us multiplying, the world multiplied, and the philosophy of the world multiplied. And now we we think that somehow we can change things through legislation. Guys, that will never change the heart of man. We are the only preserving agent that God has introduced into the world. And that happens through the gospel of Jesus Christ. If we ever forget that, we fail in our mission. We can walk and you down at the same time, and you need to. But guys, I'm telling you, our number one call is to the gospel and to making disciples. And let's not lose sight of that. Paul understands this, and so while he's sitting in prison He's in jail. I mean, how bad can the circumstances get? And some say this may be his last appeal because he's uh, appealed to Caesar. He's wanting to go before the high court. He's wanting to make, again, that opportunity for the gospel. And he knows to live is Christ, but to die is gain. He has an eternal perspective. And so that's why Philippians, of all the letters that Paul writes, Philippians is a letter that's full of joy. But he's in prison. Philippians is one of the only letters that we see of Paul where there's very basically no kind of rebuke, no kind of correction. I mean, you know, Paul can lay it on you sometimes, right? You thought Pastor Jeremy was bad. Paul, man, he can lay it on you. You know, he can give you those corrections, those reviews. He can, and, and, and again, that's part of what we're called to in the brotherhood, right? To hold each other accountable. And oftentimes you'll find that Paul's letter, he's writing to address some kind of problem. He's got to correct it. He's writing to address this. But in this case, this letter is full of joy. He's commending them to write, now don't get me wrong, we will see a section where he is going to address some of the concern that there is some of that false teaching, some of that legalism, and some of that lawlessness that's at play. But for the most part, this letter is all about joy, joy, joy. Right? I'm not talking Sarah, she's in my team. So we're going to see here in Paul's letter that even though his circumstances may be bleak, his joy is not changed. And what has made this letter so unique is because of their common bond in Jesus Christ. That unifies. So uh, we talk about again, all in, all the time. Let's look at today's text. You can follow along. You can get a Bible there in front of you on the pew or you can look here on the screen. I recommend if you have one, uh, you look there and, and you can. As we, as we go through this, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine making requests for you all with joy, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ.
1: Just as it is right
0: for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains, and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me with grace God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. This I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge all of a sudden that you may approve the things that are excellent that you may be sincere without offense to the day of Christ being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God Father, uh, we look to you today realizing that Lord, we desperately need you desperately need your grace, not just for salvation not just for justification but for sanctification daily live to live out our faith to truly be salt, to truly be light to communicate the good news to a world that desperately needs to hear it. and Lord we have the hope of Christ within us as believers and so I pray that that unites us as we move forward in our mission for your name's sake and Lord as we look to you with anticipation with eternal life that one day we will So, Paul, writing to all the saints there in Philippi, and we hit on this last time, about how Paul and Timothy were simply servants, slaves of Christ. We talked about how, uh, as a church, we should all be in, all the time, Right? Um, Paul, Timothy, these bondservants to all the saints in Christ. So again, here's this church in Philippi, and Paul sends this letter. They sent Epaphroditus there to encourage Paul because uh, they also sent with Epaphroditus some some money. They had taken up again an offering to encourage and support the common goal of sharing the gospel. That's why they sent Epaphroditus from Philippi. That's why they sent the love offering to him, to help him. They knew he was in prison. They knew that, uh, again, he was going to need that encouragement. And as you recall from last week, Paphroditus had gotten sick, had fallen ill, and and, and Paul appreciated so much, and this is why his heart's affectionate towards them. He knows that, man, they are in this with him. You know, to empathize, to to sympathize and empathize with someone, to to know their pain, to, to experience that, and they have been experiencing that. Anyone who chooses to live a righteous life is going to suffer persecution in this world If you choose to set yourself apart from the world and say, you know what? I'm going to have a single focus on eternity I'm going to make my life about the gospel of Jesus Christ Then I promise you, you will have opposition But you know what encourages you? When a brother or sister who can relate comes alongside you Isn't that encouraging? I had a young man that I, I went to high school with. And I hadn't seen him since high school days, and and he and I both, you know, in high school, I'm sure had, you know, our, you know, my story. Uh, we didn't know the Lord weren't walking with the Lord. And this guy now is just completely on fire for Jesus. I mean, he's so on fire. I'm seeing him post things in Greek. And I'm like, what? It's like overboard, man. Come on. But it's encouraging. And, and so the other day, I get an inbox from. Him. Just some simple words of encouragement to say, keep being a prophet for God. You know, Paul felt this love from (coughs) Philip. This was a church that he, under the, again, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's going to Asia, man. He's taking the gospel. He's being obedient to Christ. He's going to take the gospel to Asia. And the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. And through, through supernatural intervention, he says, Gospel's needed in Macedonia. So he goes to Macedonia, he goes to Philippi. There's no synagogue. There's not 10 men there. They don't have a place. So where does he go? He goes to where they're making prayers down by the river. And there's a bunch of ladies down there. And there's Lydia. Lydia's been basically worshiping God the best she knew how. She had the Old Testament scriptures. She knew that one day a Messiah would come. Well, Paul introduces her to who that Messiah is and introduces her to Jesus Christ, which again is a great illustration of the importance of taking the gospel to the world guys I'm gonna take the time out here to plug this because you as a church we need to be like Philippi in this we need to be like Paul in this we need to recognize there are people in this world that still have not heard the gospel now I praise God for you as I think of you in remembrance it's in my prayers I thank God for what we've just done with this field of dreams by the way field of dreams in tow, in the bank, right now, for the Field of Dreams, $38,700. Praise be to God, $38,700. That's a rejoicing joy that we'll be able to reach the local mission field through sports ministry with the gospel to make disciples. Don't lose sight of that. But guys, we're also struggling right now in our foreign missions. So here's what I am want to say on a Challenge, and I'm leading by example today so, men counting, you know this. I'm going to ask us all, between now and Christmas, give an extra to the missions. We're hurting in missions right now, our foreign missions. We're down, okay? We've just not been making it. We're down. So pray about that. That's all I'm going to say. Pray about that. But we've got to support the gospel going to the world. I am excited for hitting the local missions because if you don't have a local missions, you don't have a foreign missions. Don't ever, guys, it's a balance. We don't rock, Paul, or pay Peter, but there's a balance in it. And so, we need to not lose sight of that. Here's Paul. Under the direction of the Holy Spirit goes into Philippi. He meets Lydia. He shares the gospel. She's been desiring to know God. And now, she's introduced through Jesus Christ. Not only does she get saved, her whole household gets saved. And this is why we know she's all in all the time. She opened up her house. And we're having church. Right? That's where they begin to meet. And gather every week. well, in. You're going to live for God. You're going to suffer persecution. They stirred up some problems after they healed that demon girl. Now, the money went rolling in because she was telling everybody's future. Remember Cleo, right? That wasn't her name, but that's where it all started. Dion- Dionne Warwick had friends. Some of you would get that joke. But anyway, this lady, demons cast out. Her people that were making money off of her were extremely mad. They threw them in before the magistrates. They get beat, they get put in jail. Have a praise and worship service in the middle of the night. Chains fall off, doors fly open. And here's the jailer on the verge of suicide. Instead of taking his life, Paul says, no, let me tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the man busts in when he knows it there and says, what must I do to be saved? Guys, there are people who are in desperate desire that God has been drawing, that God desires for them to come to him in repentance and faith. And you and I have the message. And under a providential hand of God, the sovereign hand of God, in jail, right? That beating went for for nothing. There was a purpose. and It was to get them to the place that God would have them be so that the gospel might be communicated. So, that's how the church of Philippi was birthed. And so now we see all these saints all in all the time. 10 years later, Paul's now in prison again for the sake of the gospel. and So they send Epaphroditus to encourage him. He gets sick. Paul says, look, man, you're just going back home. I appreciate what you've done. i me send a letter with you because I don't want them thinking you failed in your mission. I appreciate it. But hey, you guys need to, to take this belly in. he's done his part. He's done. And, and I just love y'all. You guys are in this with me. I know you understand. And so Paul says, to all the saints. And then we talked about all the joy. And again, this is what causes his heart to be joyful. I promise you, this pastor is the most joyful when you guys are all in it. I get you, Paul. I understand, man. I get your heart as a pastor. I understand your desire in making prayer and requests with all joy. Because there's nothing more exciting than when I see you're all in it just as there's nothing more depleting and depressing and troubling and struggle in in my prayer life than when, where are you? Where's that support? Why are they forsaking the gathering? Don't they know that the day is approaching? Don't we know we're more closer than when that was recorded in Hebrews? But man, oh man, we make every excuse under the sun and we justify it. It's about priority. Let's just talk straight for real talk for a second, okay? Real talk for a second. Just real talk for a second. You do what's important to you. That's a true statement. You do what's important to you. If it's important enough, you will find the time to do it. That was an amen. Thank you. it, It is. You will find the time to do what's important to you. And so we fill our schedule with things because they're important to you. There is nothing, absolutely nothing more important than our relationship with God. Oh, but Pastor you saying I don't have a relationship with God. No, I didn't say that. But I'm saying if we're walking in faith, if we're walking in obedience, if we know Christ and we know his word, then we know this isn't optional. This isn't bumped down the list of priorities. That's what we've done. We've bumped it down the list of priorities. And so we put everything in our life above it except for the same Since we've allowed the Spirit of God to really convict us in this area, and in fact, I think we've, we've pretty much moved on past it. That the, the, the little alarm in our conscience no longer sounds. Instead, what happens is the hardness of a heart gets angered towards the preacher when he says these things. And if you find yourself stewing in, in a defensive mode when the pastor talks about the need to gather, and when the pastor talks about the importance of supporting the ministries, if you find yourself getting defensive or hardened in heart. As a result of this kind of preaching Then the problem is not with me There's someone else you need to talk Paul knows this is joy And the joy that he has is because of They're all in The common bond man It doesn't matter what it's going to cost them It may cost them going to jail But it does not matter because they're all in That produces joy I thank my God upon every remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine, making request for you with all joy. You see, he can do that because when he thinks back, and he reminisces on the time. Man, they were in it with him. They were in it with him. He remembers what it was like in those early days of the church when it was birthed. He knows they were willing to open their house. He knew that they were willing to be beaten. He knew the things that they faced, even though the whole entire community was against them because of what had happened. It was, it was affecting their economical stance there in the community. The magistrates and the law, the people there in that town were very upset over what was happening with these new Christians. But when he thought about it, they didn't care. They were in it. They were invested. That brought joy to his heart. For your fellowship see he gives us the answer for the joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now you see they were consistent in it they were still with it they didn't they didn't wax cold they didn't kind of you know it, you know growing weary hey do not grow weary in well-doing in due season you will reap we're in a relay We're in a marathon race not a sprint I know we get tired I know we're on the, maybe that third leg or that last leg of the lap, whatever, and we're all in different, different legs of the race. But don't grow weary. Keep your eyes on the prize. Keep your eyes on the finish line. Because I'm telling you, it will be worth it in the end. When we cross that glorious line and all's done and we hear those words, well done, my good and faithful servant. Praise God. Let the party start. That's rejoicing. And when we have an eternal perspective, guys, we can move through the circumstances. We can move past the pain. We can move past the drudge, the dread, the different things that kind of impact our life here. And we can move forward in the strength and grace of God. And That produces joy, not happiness. Happiness is based on the happenings. And a lot of things are happening right now in the world that don't make me very happy. But praise God, the joy. I, too, like Paul, am joyful when I think of you. Those of you who, who invested your times, your talents in, in, our, in our recent call, those of you that are invested in this local church and ministry, the way you're serving Christ and serving one another, for those of you who are, are, are looking to find a new church family and you're gathering with us, I'm excited about that. I'm looking at the potential of, of our new members class that we've got coming up in a couple of weeks, and that makes my heart joyful because I recognize God knitting in new people. We've got seven coming up in baptism, guys. That's praise be to God from kids to older people. We've got a potential new associate pastor, youth pastor being brought to us that's only going to expand our outreach in this local community through evangelism and discipleship. Those things for the sake of the gospel make my heart joyful in fellowship with you. We can't just sit by. We can't just say, well, I've served my term. No. Now's the time. And just like Paul, sitting in prison, knows the importance of prayer. If there's ever been a time for us to unite in our prayer effort before a holy God, it's now, church. We've got to pray. We've got to push through. So I invite you to do that. Paul knows that. Joy is a byproduct of obedience. And if you want more joy in your life, then read and heed. If you want more joy in your life, read and heed. MacArthur has a good sermon series if you want to look it up. I may bring a few of those points in at some point in the future. But he has a great series on what steals the joy of a Christian. I encourage you to check that out. There are a lot of things that can impact your life. Sin being the the biggest. Again, sin will steal your joy. Sin in your life will rob you of your joy. There's other things, too. Uh, we, We do not battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers in wicked, high places, guys. And so there's real demonic forces that want to steal our joy. And so we've got to uh, put on the whole armor of God and be ready to stand against the schemes of the enemy. The joy is a byproduct of obedience. And then we talked about last week, and this is where we left off, that, that, that all finished. And, and, and so you see this here in Philippians 1.6. And it said, be confident of this very thing. Paul wanted them to know. He was confident. He he knew what he was praying for. He knew who they were. He knew who they had been and who they were still that day. He said, be confident of this very thing that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, because he knew it was finished. Jesus paid it in full. The debt we owe is done. That's praise, God. That's joy. That's joy. And so Paul had confidence in them. He knew. He saw the fruit of their tree. I mean, just here they are again sending them a love offering and sending a worker, one of their dedicated, faithful workers, to help him in the mission. How can I help, preacher? What can I do? I'm here to serve. What can I do? Whoa! You want to give a pastor a heart attack? Y'all start doing that. Now, some of you do that. Some of you do that. And I praise God for that. Because, guys, that's what we got to do. We're all in. We're all in. And sometimes in some seasons of life, we have to step into the gap in the areas that maybe it's not our gifting, it might not be our calling, but we're willing temporarily to step into the gap, to fill the gap until the wall's built, until the time is right, until the until God provides, and then we can step back in. And so many of you, and I praise God for many of you, wear many hats. But you know, I know a lot of people got a lot of plates spinning, I realize it. This season, I'm a pastor, social pastor, and a youth pastor. Okay? Thank you. Yes. See another amen. But that's what's happened. Paul understood this, and he knew his confidence wasn't in his ability, wasn't in your ability, it's in God's ability. Because it was God who completed this work, and it's God who will complete this work in me and you. And that's praiseworthy. That produced joy. So here we are today, picking up in part four. And uh, we're going to look at all partakers, all partakers. So if you would, again, you've got to understand these preceding verses in order to understand where, what's going on at this point, keep to it, keep it in the context. So uh, we'll pick up here in verse 7. Verse 7 and 8. Just as it is right for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me grace. Here we see Paul's thankfulness. And again, we know Paul's thankfulness based upon verse 3: I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. We see it here in verse 6 again, because he's confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ and so it is right for Paul to think of them he he does have this compassion this love for them he knew that they were willing to suffer and to defend the gospel he knows it because of Epaphroditus is one of them and we'll continue reading and we'll hear about him. He, he he was He put it so much on the line. You talk about all in all the time. He was so all in all the time that it nearly cost him his life. He almost died. Ministry. Nearly killed him. So Paul knew this. He knew this about them. And that just created within him just a tight knit bond, knowing that he had a brotherhood, that he had a church family that had his back. He, He knew that they were in this with him they were knit together, that they were standing firm for the gospel, for the defense of the gospel. He also knew they had been recipients of that same grace. He knew that at one time he was the chief of sinners. But he knew that now he was the least of the saints. God had changed them. And they knew too God had changed them. They had a cross that once we're children of wrath, but now we're the children of God. How do you go back? You don't. You don't go back. You don't shirk back. You don't fall away. When you see the promised land, you say, we got this. If God, be us, who can be against us? And you move forward. You don't shrink back. You don't wander in the wilderness for 40 years. No, you look to the Lord, the author and finisher of your faith, and you run the race as those <laughs> who have gone before you. You run it well, and you run it to the end. All you They too were in it To the end I want you to hear this quote from J. and Duncan He says
1: communion In the same grace and mission Creates a band of brothers
0: Communion In the same grace and mission Creates a band of brothers Communion in the same grace and mission Creates a band of brothers Or if I could say this another way Gospel love and Christian affection Grow in the soil of God's grace in gospel service. Let me read this. That's good stuff, guys. Uh, gospel love and Christian affection grow in the soil of God's grace in gospel service. Gospel love and Christian affection grow in the soil of gospel uh, uh, grace and gospel service. The unity that Paul experiences with the Philippians, their mutual love for one another, their deep affection for one another grows out of the soil of their common experience of God's sovereign grace and their common commitment to spreading the word of the gospel. In those things, Paul has been able to perceive their heart, and they've been able to perceive Paul's heart. And what has it done? It's pulled them together. It's pulled them together. Not separated them. You see, guys, that's why when we're launching ministry, when we're moving forward, it should not ever divide. It should unite. When we have an opportunity such as we have, but we're approaching and we're looking down the corridors of what God has in store, I see the opportunity for this church to do as the Philippians have done and unite for the sake of the gospel. That blessing awaits when we do just that. For his name's sake, name, for His. Name. So, Paul continues to encourage those at Philippi just as they have encouraged him in their efforts Matthew Henry said it this way he said they manifested their respect for him by adhering firmly to the doctrine he preached and readily suffering for it along with him the truest mark of respect towards our ministers is receiving and abiding By the doctrine they preach. Guys, the greatest gift you could ever give to this pastor is to be obedient to the preaching of God's word. Be obedient to the truth of God's word. That just really We see also all discernment notice if you would in in, the, in verses 8 through 9 we see this um, you'll see it says for God is my witness how great that I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ and this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment three parts here three things you see here in this in this text Paul's prayer, this is Paul's prayer for them. This is, this is what he he's praying. You want to know what Paul's praying for them? And this I pray, right? This I pray It's right there. You can underline it. He's not just praying for the Philippians. This is under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is for you too. As believers, recipients of this letter, recipients of this truth, hear what God, hear what he wants you to know, church. Church at Belgrane, springs for the barn. <laughs> he says in this I pray three things love, knowledge, discernment love knowledge, discernment Pastor Dean, deacons what we need to be praying for our church man. love, knowledge discernment church man. God is my witness. God knows. He knows what Paul was in Paul's heart. Right? I mean, sometimes that's all we got, guys. Sometimes, you know, people you're going to be misunderstood in this world, especially when you choose to, to live for the Lord. When you choose to separate yourself from the world and do things uh, adhering to the Word of God, following the conscience that the Holy Spirit's inspiring. Sometimes you're just going to be flat out misunderstood. God knows. So I ain't gonna sing it for you. Well, maybe a little bit. <laughs> anyway, that's about all you can get from me on that part. He loves them sacrificially. He loves them sacrificially. He prays for their love. By the way, true love increases in knowledge and discernment if it's gospel sin, True love is gospel sin. 1 Timothy 1 5. It says, now the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, from sincere faith. You see, Paul's prayer for them is that they would love and that it would abound. Now think about it. They have just sent him a love gift. They have just sent him a helper. So he's seen the proof in the pudding. And he's saying, I'm praying even more and more. Yeah, that it's just going to grow. Your love for one another, your love for the gospel, because that's why they're doing what they're doing. Again, don't, don't lose sight of the purpose, right? Don't, don't look at the prize, look at the purpose. The purpose was for the furtherance of the gospel. So they're excited about that. 10, 24 up there, we've got a long time <laughs> Just making sure. Alright, so. What else do we see here? We also see that they're all filled. Okay. Notice, if you would, uh, in verses 10 and 11, uh, and we'll see here. That you may approve the things that are excellent. That you may be sincere and without offense to the day of Christ. Being filled, there it is, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. So Paul says, look, I want you to increase in your love. That it may abound more and more. I want you to grow in knowledge and on the sermon. By the way, you understand, guys, that, that getting knowledge isn't just getting your head back, right? No. You see, wisdom, you gain knowledge to get wisdom. But you can't just stop at gaining wisdom. If we're just people who are just gathering a bunch of wisdom, but we're never dispensing it, then we're head-heavy. Maybe it be heart-heavy but we're overweight in righteousness we gotta exercise you follow me and so the difference between moving from knowledge gaining knowledge and we must gain knowledge and we gain knowledge through the word of God and so therefore if we're not gaining knowledge in the word of God why not probably because we're not eating we're skipping meals This dead horse, but I feel like I have to check the meal time, guys. You know when the family eats. We'd love to have you at the table. So we need knowledge. We gain wisdom, but wisdom really does no good until there's understanding. And when there's understanding, now I'm applying that knowledge, wisdom, and living. This is what Paul's talking about. I want, I'm praying that you're going to grow in love. I'm praying that you're going to grow in knowledge. and I'm going to pray that you can grow in discernment. Because, see, when you discern the truth and error, you should do the truth, not the error. And when you make choices in life that, here we go back to priority, hmm, I've got two things I can do. I know. Knowledge, wisdom, discernment. Discernment would tell me they're both good things to do. There's nothing wrong with me doing this. There's nothing wrong with me doing that. Which one of them, though, is best? Discernment helps me decide based upon the knowledge of Scripture, based upon the wisdom of weighing that. Now I have understanding, and so I'm able to exercise discernment on, hey, these are both good ideas, but this one has a greater priority. In the eyes of eternity this one has a greater priority when I stand before a holy God one day will it be more important that I was involved in this or that I was involved in that what's drawing your family closer to God this or that and that's a question parent you've got to wrestle in your heart because we're oftentimes involving our kids in the things that are good they're great my best in light of eternity and this is the difference and paul's saying look i, I, I want to, i want you that you may approve the things that are excellent that's great but this is excellent your desire for the gospel our unity in moving the gospel forward this is excellent that you may be sincere and without offense well, let's let's talk about that for a second Again, we're talking about being all filled. Uh, by the way, the choices that you make for that which is excellent are to lead to what? The choices that you make for what is excellent are to lead to what? Living, which is characterized by sincerity and integrity. That way you can be sincere uh, and blameless until the day of Christ. This word here. This is a really cool word. This word sincere. I'm not going to circle that word sincere. So during this time period, you know everybody had you know we got everybody got phones nowadays. Like everybody carried around in a little chisel and a little marble. I'm just I don't know Well, they They you know catch a sketch. I don't know. But th- there was a lot of sculpting that went on in this time period, right? A lot of a lot of sculpting. And so it was common practice in this time that when they would sculpt, you know, it wasn't wasn't unusual to be working on the details of the face and there went the nose. (sighs) Ah, The nose is gone. So, what they would often do is they would take a lot of this marble ground up stuff, they would mix it in with some wax, and they would take this wax and they would place it and, and finish out the sculpture with a piece of wax. And you couldn't tell the difference it would you would look at it and it would look like it's all one big piece of marble and that was great hey it looked great it looked real hey it was good hey look at that man that's beautiful that's awesome until it got out in the sun got exposed to some light and some heat and all of a sudden duck lips the first duck lips the nose was gone it's run down to the lips right and so that's what's happening here. So, what's Paul saying when he uses this word? He's using this word specifically. He's using this word for a purpose. He's saying, look, man, don't be a phony. Don't be fake. See, those were fake sculptures. You can tell the difference when that wax melted, when that got exposed to a little heat. And a lot of times we can see who's really Christians when the heat gets turned up, right? And he's saying, look, guys, don't walk around with a with a hypocritical mask on. Don't be someone behind closed doors that you're not out in front of others. You know, the church gets accused a lot of being hypocritical. Now, there's hypocrites in all the world. You don't stop going to food lines just because there's a hypocritical works there, but they'll sure stop going to church because they met one hypocrite in the church. If you don't like the hypocrite works food line, go to Pickle and Wiggy for crying out loud. But you still go to the grocery store, don't go to another church, but I promise you, you will never find a church because guess what? You suffer from the same problem we all suffer from. The Adamic nature that still wants to rage war within all of us. But Paul will say, look, be filled with the fruits of righteousness. All right? Again, if you begin to grow in love and you begin to grow in knowledge and discernment, you will begin to put into practice the things that are excellent. So you can be sincere. Not be a bony baloney. Right? It's okay to admit we have struggles, guys. It's okay to come clean and to come to someone who's not going to throw rocks at you, but to be genuine in your faith and say, man, I'm struggling with this. Pray for me. Help me. The body of Christ is the one body that all get to come alongside you and help you and encourage you and strengthen you and walk with you and restore you. That's our desire. Even to the point of church discipline, discipline has always been about restoration. It's about we love you, and it's gotten to a point that we're just going to have to get a little firmer. And you do this with your kids when you love your kids. I mean, I, typically you don't fly right out on, you know, the first thing. You did what? <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe some of you do. Okay, well, But they know, <laughs> That was Indiana Jones, by the way, if you are wondering. A little side-on action. But look, again, Paul's saying, I, I, don't want, I don't want you wearing that mask. Take it off, guys. Be sincere without offense. And so, he continues on. And he says that uh, in this, if you notice this, he wants us to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. Um, bearing fruit is always the result of abiding in Jesus. We started this year with this in our vision sermon. John 15, 4 through 6. That, that if we're going to bear fruits, you've got to abide in Jesus Christ. That's where it's at. As we abide in him, we receive the life and nutrients we need to naturally bear fruit to the glory and praise of God. Listen to this quote from Clark. Adam Clark says, Every genuine follower of God has his glory in view by all that he does Says or intends, he loves to glorify God, and he glorifies it by showing forth in his conversation the glorious working of the glorious power of the Lord. You know, one of the, the greatest things that um, that I've ever been a recipient of uh, was to hear someone, a deacon once say that that. Pastor, I appreciate that you're the same person in the pulpit as you are at home. And they spend enough time in the home to know that. And I praise God for that. Now, that's not to say I'm perfect, guys. But trust me. You hang out in the home long enough, you're going to know. You don't even have to hang out in the home. You already know that. <laughs> you already know, preacher. Keep going. Dig the hole deeper. Um, but, guys, I, I first off, I have impressionable kids right here. I have a family that knows. and knows. And I pray to God that, that one day when this old man is no longer here that, that, that there's a lot of things that could be said about this guy that, that won't be so good. But I pray that one thing they can say is that he was real. He lived his faith. He believed his faith. He surrendered to his faith. And his faith dictated who he was and what he did. His purpose and his intent. And I'll take the words as Paul Follow my example as I follow Christ. If you see any good in me, it's Christ in me. Guys, I was an old wretched sinner. I was a drunkard. I was a drug user. I was immoral in my lifestyle. I was in a very dark place in a dark way. You would not have wanted to talk to me, you would have ran from me. I was not trustworthy, I was a deceiver. Was so many things that scripture describes were the fruit of the flesh. And that's what manifested on my tree. Until that day when I met Jesus Christ and I surrendered my heart and life, and he illuminated and enlightened and changed me, transformed me from the inside out. And oh, yes, I still have scars. And yes, I still have battles. And yes, I have not arrived and I'll stumble daily. Praise of God is sufficient. He picks me up and he dusts me off and I move forward. And I'm grateful for a church thing that walks alongside me, that runs with me, that jumps with me, that does the work of God with me. You know what I'm saying? We're in it. We're all in it. And that's joyful. That's exciting. And that's why I believe there's still greater than I know how he changes hearts, and I know how he changes life. And that gospel message is still relevant in 2020. Amen? Amen. Well, let's conclude. I, I want to conclude with this thought. Um, again, I quoted Lady Duncan earlier, and I, I, I think he, he nails it here to, to not. Highlight this; these questions would be a miss for us. So I want you to hear this: seven things, seven things that we just saw here in the scripture. Seven things. He prays that their love would abound. You might want to underline that or circle back. He prays that their love would abound, that their knowledge would grow, that their knowledge would grow, that their discernment would increase their discernment would increase that they would choose the excellent choose the excellent guys it's easy to go to the flow it's easy to be a mediocre Christian choose the excellent that they would continue in sincerity and integrity sincerity and integrity that they would live in fruitful righteousness By the way, if you want to know the fruit of the Spirit, you go to Galatians 5, 22 and read that. That they would live in fruitful righteousness. And they would deliberately, deliberately live for the glory of God. Seven things there. Deliberately live for the glory of God. So now i want to ask these three questions. What do we learn about what we ought to desire for ourselves from this prayer? Just let that question sink in for a second. This was Paul's prayer we just looked at. So I want you to think about this question in application, in conclusion. What what can we think about is, is, what can I learn that should be a desire for me from this prayer? What do we learn about what we ought to desire for ourselves from this prayer? That's the first question I want you to think about in application and let the Spirit of God drive home application from this text. See how Paul's praying. See what he's praying for. What should I be praying for? my church. I know for me as a pastor, I've been challenged in this text, What I need to be praying for you. Second question, what do we learn about what we ought to rejoice in in one another? What do we learn from this that we ought to be rejoicing in when it comes to rejoicing in one another? And then the third question, what do we learn about how we ought to be praying for one another? And that's kind of similar to the other one, but again, that that desire and then that prayer.
1: What do we learn about how we ought to be
0: praying for one another? Pretty straightforward, isn't it? It ought to be our personal desire to be Christians like this. Believe me. Enjoy. Christians like this, people who are growing in love. That's us. That's our application. We need to be Christians who are growing in love, who are increasing in knowledge and discernment, who are choosing that which is excellent, who are living in sincerity and integrity, who are manifesting a fruitful righteousness, and who are living in for the glory of God. As Paul prays this for the Philippians, our hearts ought to be saying, Lord, I want to be like that. That's what I Section of Philippians. All in, all down. That's what we need, church. That's what we need. Are you in? And if you're not, I want to encourage you to get in. There's opportunities for you to be in. The first opportunity is just prayer. Start praying. If you've not been really consistent, faithful, in praying, pray. Pray for the growth of this church spiritually. And if God should see fit and you marry. To start spiritually, we need, we need this. Bounding in love, knowledge, discernment. Right? God is doing a work. We've learned this from this first section. I am confident of this very thing. He who's begun a good work and he will complete it. And he's doing this. I am confident that God is doing this work at CBC, individually and corporately. And he will complete it. God cannot lie. Let's plug in to the power. Of prayer. Let's pray, Father. Thank you for Paul's prayer today, as we've been reminded through song and, and through uh, the teaching of your Word, the importance of prayer, what we should be praying for, praying for one another. And so, Lord, help me as a as a pastor to be even more thankful and given to prayer. Uh, Lord, help me to be um, a man who is church family. Lord I, I, you know the heart of every person here and I just and you know what weighs on you know their needs, you know their struggles, you know their insincerities, you know their uh, lack of integrity, just as you know mine. Lord, help us to abound more and more in love. Help us to grow more in knowledge. Help us to exercise discernment that we might prove checking our hearts for priority and that we'll walk in obedience that our joy will grow. So Lord, may your truth abide in us as we abide in you. I thank you again. As Paul says, I can say to and say,